Morning, Friendship. My name's Matt. I'm a pastor here at Friendship Church, and no one is more excited about next week than I am, because next week I might get to talk to live people. I can't imagine anything better than to talk to real, live bodies here in the room that make eye contact. It's going to be so wonderful, and we're going to be continuing this sermon series that you just saw the bumper for called Wholehearted, as we learn from the mistakes of others. When I was in the fifth grade, my bus stop was on a county road, and people drove by at 50 or 55 miles per hour. And one day, it snowed three or four inches of thick, wet snow. Uh, The kind of thick, wet snow that makes perfect smack-you-in-the-face snowballs. And a guy that lived in my neighborhood, who was my age, also a fifth grader, named Drew, picked up a bunch of snow and made a very firm snowball And with a big smile on his face said, watch this. And he took that snowball and he threw it and he hit a car that was going by on that county road. And he looked at all of us at the bus stop with a great big grin and he thought he was so very cool. He got a little bit of encouragement from a couple of the girls at the bus stop. And so he quickly picked up some more snow and formed it into a snowball And as an 18-wheeler came by, threw that snowball and hit it right in the cab of the truck. Big smile on his face. Now he knew that he was cool since he had hit that 18-wheeler with that snowball. (laughs) Until we heard the screech of the brakes of that truck. Pulled over to the side of the road and stopped And a mountain of a truck driver got out and headed our way. And suddenly, my buddy Drew, he was not cool anymore. Suddenly, he was panicked. And as that truck driver got closer, my buddy took off through the yard that was in back of our bus stop, jumped a fence, and kept going. I don't know where he wound up that day. The truck driver came over and asked the rest of us who were at the bus stop, Hey, what's that kid's name and where does he live? And of course, we gave him up immediately, told that truck driver exactly who it was and where he lived. And a few minutes later, when the bus came, my friend wasn't there. He didn't make the bus that day or ever again. No, that last part is a joke. That's not true. But he didn't make the bus that day uh, because of the fear of that truck driver. And you guys, after I witnessed that, I never again threw a snowball at a car or truck. Some of you caught that word, again. Yes, that's right. I never again threw a snowball at a car or a truck because I saw what happened to my friend when he threw snowballs at a car and a truck. And I learned my lesson from his mistakes. I I didn't have to learn the lesson myself. I watched what happened to him, and I learned the lesson by watching his mistakes. And that's what we're doing in this sermon series. We are learning from the mistakes and the sin of others. We're particularly focused on the sins that Israel committed that are recorded in the Old Testament prophetic book of Malachi. They were involved in a half-hearted worship that God found to be totally unacceptable. And as we're looking at their sin in this book of Malachi, we are looking at what it means for us to worship in a wholehearted way. How can we avoid their sins and live in wholehearted worship of our God? Our passage today in the book of Malachi is Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. So I want to invite you to 
Find a Bible and turn to Malachi 1, 6 through 14. Open up in your device to Malachi 6, 1, uh, 6, 1, 6 through 14 so that you can follow along with us during this time. Over the course of quarantine, our family has made Thursday night's takeout night. And over the course of this next week, it's possible that both of my kids are going to be gone on Thursday night. And so what if I make this next Thursday night takeout night also date night? So we got Thursday night takeout night date night, and I go to pick up food for my wife and I to have date night at home that night. I come home for date night takeout night with two bags. One of the bags has a steak in it from a fancy and delicious steakhouse, the kind that you go to on your anniversary or birthday only because it's that expensive. And I have this delicious steak and all of these unbelievably good sides, and I take that bag filled with all that food and I set it at my place there on date night, takeout night. And then I hand my wife her bag of food. Her bag of food says McDonald's on the outside. And it contains a cheeseburger value meal. And my wife asked me, wait a minute, uh, how come you got the steak and all of these fancy sides from this really delicious restaurant, and I got a cheeseburger value meal from McDonald's, and I say to her, well, sweetie, there's no chance we can afford two meals from the fancy restaurant. Come on now. So you get McDonald's. How is my wife going to feel in that situation? Valued? Honored? Loved? No, she's going to feel angry, upset. My life will be in danger, won't it? I mean, shouldn't she just be happy that she got something? Uh, No. No, that isn't the way it works. She's going to be very frustrated with what I have done. And that's the situation that we see in Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. Only instead of my wife being dishonored and unloved by her husband, it's God who's being dishonored and unloved by the Israelites. Listen to what God says in Malachi 1, 6 through 14. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts to you? O priests who despise my name... But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us with such a gift from your hand. Will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations." And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it 
when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is, that you snorted it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am the great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. Wow! As we read this, we are struck by how badly we need to learn from the sins of Israel. God is angry with them here. And we want to learn from their mistakes and their sins so that we offer wholehearted worship. And I want to give you four keys that we see in this passage about wholehearted worship. And the first of those is this. God is worthy of wholehearted love and honor. My illustration about bringing food to my wife breaks down a little bit. Because my wife, as great as she is, is not God. And as such, is not worthy of the kind of worship and honor that only God is worthy of. God says in this passage, I am your heavenly father, Israel. I'm your master. I am the Lord of all the hosts. I am the great king over everything. God is the one who is to be valued above above everything in life and honored in everything that we do. That's what God says in verse 11, which is our memory verse for this sermon series. It's a memory verse that is to remind us that our God is the one who is worthy of all honor and all praise. It says, For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name, and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Amen. God's name is great among the nations. He is honored and valued and loved and treasured above everything else in life. That's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, what we saw him say last week, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Because God deserves, as God, that place of highest value and honor in our lives, in everything that we do, in everything that we say, in every action that we take. And Jesus says there is nothing, even the most important people in our life, that should be valued ahead of me. Because our God is worthy of wholehearted love and honor. The second thing that we see in this passage is that half-hearted sacrifice shows a lack of love and honor. It wasn't that Israel was giving nothing to God in this passage. If you read it carefully, they're bringing their sacrifices and worship before God when they are supposed to. So what is the problem? The problem is is that when they bring their sacrifices, they are bringing mediocre and poor sacrifices before God. They're bringing the lame, the weak, the blind animals. When God has called upon them to bring what? To bring their very best to him in worship and honor. Now, what does God care about animals? Does God need animals? 
Of course not. God doesn't need anything, and he certainly doesn't need our animals. And so why is God concerned about the fact that Israel is bringing mediocre and poor animals for sacrifice instead of the very best that they have? Because God recognizes that when we bring the very best that we have, it's an expression of our honor and value towards him. And when we don't, when we bring mediocre and poor sacrifices before him, it is a sign that we don't love him, honor him, and have faith in him the way that we are called to. What if my son heard me say all the time as he was growing up, I love you more than anything, son. I love you more than anything. But when he came to me day after day to say, Dad, will you go outside and play with me? Every time he heard me say, Oh, sorry, I'm really busy with work right now. And when he came to me to see if I would help him with his homework, every time he heard, Sorry, I'm really watching a good show right now. And when he came to me to say, Hey, could our family go on vacation? I said, "Uh, Sorry, buddy, I've used all my vacation days on golf outings this year. Eventually, what is my son going to come to understand? That when I tell him that I love him, that is just lip service. Because he'll recognize, if I genuinely loved him, I would sacrifice these other things and make him a priority. I would value him. And God is in that same place with Israel. Sure, they're paying lip service. They're coming and making some sort of sacrifice and bringing some sort of worship. But God says, no, if you really valued me, if you really loved me, if you really treasured me as God, then you would bring wholehearted sacrifice before me. Half-hearted sacrifice shows a lack of love and honor for our God. Which leads to point number three we see here. God rejects half-hearted sacrifice. Uh, We may be tempted to think, well, I'm sure that God would prefer I bring half-hearted sacrifice and worship rather than no sacrifice and worship, kind of like my wife with the McDonald's. I mean, shouldn't she just be thankful I brought her something? And the answer that Malachi 1 says is, in fact, God wouldn't rather have our half-hearted sacrifice and worship than no sacrifice and worship. God says in Malachi chapter 1, I wish that someone would stop all worship and sacrifice altogether because your half-hearted worship is such an offense to me. If you had no worship, then maybe you would be confronted with this problem, but you just continue in this half-hearted worship thinking that you are pleasing me when in fact you are not. So that in verse 10, he says, Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that is, the doors to the temple, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. Malachi says to the people, God is so troubled by your half-hearted worship that he wishes that someone would come in and shut the doors to the temple so that no worship and no sacrificing was taking place. Because God doesn't want our sloppy, half-hearted worship. He wants instead a people who are committed to what? That's our fourth point. God calls us to wholehearted sacrifice and wholehearted worship. As we talked about last week, chapter 1, verse 1 said, this is an oracle of God. And an oracle of God doesn't just lay out some things that are wrong. 
It also puts a burden upon the people who hear it to correct those things that are wrong. And so this isn't just a wonderful list of the things that Israel was doing wrong. As Malachi writes this prophecy, the expectation is that they will respond to the oracle of God and they will begin to worship in a wholehearted way. That's God's call on our life. That we would be wholehearted followers. Jesus calls for this wholehearted sacrifice of our entire lives in worship to God when he calls his disciples. In Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, he says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Jesus calls his followers to wholehearted sacrifice of their entire life. It dishonors God to bring sloppy, half-hearted sacrifice. Jesus says, if you're going to be my follower, I want it all. I want you all in. I want a wholehearted sacrifice of your life lived for me. What does that wholehearted sacrifice look like for us? We live in a culture in which we are not sacrificing animals upon an altar. And so what are some ways that we can look at wholehearted sacrifice in our life. As I sat down and prayerfully thought about that over the course of this week, there were some things that I wrote down. This isn't an exhaustive list, but these are some things that I found uh, to be helpful in my own thinking about what it means to sacrificially worship our God, to, to give Him the honor, the love, and the value that He is due. The first one that I thought about was this. What does wholehearted sacrifice look like in our lives? First, be consistent in personal worship. If I have a weekly meeting with a staff person here at church, and I tell them, I, I really value this meeting with you, but then I regularly just don't show up for the meeting because I have other things that I'm doing, what is that staff person going to surmise that I don't actually value that meeting as much as I say I do. Because value is attributed by our consistency in showing up and being with people when we say that we're going to. And we want to be a people who express honor and value to our God by making sure that we are consistent and always meeting Him for those times of personal worship that we have set aside. We want to set alarms, put it on our calendars, whatever we need to do, so that when it's time for us to spend time in personal worship, praying to our God, spending time with Him in His Word, that we are consistent in that. It may be that as you hear me say that right now, you're thinking about ways in which you have kind of fallen off of that horse that you intend to be consistent in your worship of God, but that you haven't been recently. Friends, today is a day that you can get back on that horse and begin to seek to be consistent in your time with God again in order to show Him the honor and the due that He deserves. The second thing that we see here is to be devoted to community worship, to be consistent in personal worship, and to be devoted to community worship together. I love the picture, and I stole the word devoted, out of Acts chapter 2, verse 42, that says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, 
and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Verse 46 says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received food with glad and generous hearts. They were devoted. Right? They were all in on the teaching of Jesus. They were all in on prayer. They were all in on encouraging each other, lifting each other up, serving each other. They were devoted. Nothing was going to stop them. It has been inspiring to see the way that so many of you have been devoted to worshiping with your fellow believers during this time of quarantine. Uh, during stay-at-home orders, there have been people in our church who have learned new technology just so that they can meet with their life group during this time. There have been dozens of people who every week have set aside time in order to be a part of online prayer meetings. Hundreds of homes have come and been a part of these uh, worship services that we have done. As I've said before, joining their living room with other living rooms in the chat feature, spending time loving other believers, encouraging other believers. And now as we have an opportunity to come back together to worship in person, my prayer is that we will value this more than we ever have. That we will have a, a desire and a value for the times of worshiping God together in our life groups, worshiping God together in our worship services, opportunities to dig into the Word of God together, opportunities to spend time encouraging each other, and that we will love it and value it like we never have before. Be consistent in personal worship. Be devoted to community worship. Third, be attentive to God. Whether we're talking about personal worship or community worship, be attentive and focused on God in the midst of those times. What if it was date night, takeout night, and I brought food home, the same food for Erica and I to eat together, right? That's a better start. But then as we spent date night, takeout night together at the table, I spent the entire time looking at my phone, checking text messages, sending stuff out on social media, checking news stories. How would my wife feel in the midst of that? Right? She would not feel valued. Because we recognize that value is placed on another person by the attention and the focus that we give to them. There is no one who deserves greater value, greater honor, and thus greater focus and attention than our God. And so we want to be filled with attentiveness and focus when we meet with him in personal worship. We want to make sure that we're setting aside times in which we're not hurried, constantly thinking about what's next, because there's nothing more valuable to us than those times we get to spend in the Word of God meeting with him and praying with him. We want to make sure that we're eliminating distractions around us so that we can be focused in on Him. I've told you before that it's helpful to me to write notes or write prayers as I'm spending time with God. Whatever we need to do in order to be attentive to Him because we love Him and we honor Him. We want to be attentive and focused on God when we come and worship as a community together. We want to arrive for our life group, having prepared in the passage that we're studying, having spent time praying for the people that we're meeting with. We want to arrive in a worship service prepared, prayed up, ready to go, 
ready to spend time with our God. We want to be a people who are attentive to Him in what we're doing. We want to give sacrificially. The people in Malachi's time, they were giving to God, but they weren't giving sacrificially. They were giving of their leftovers. And that was what God found so incredibly exasperating. Yeah, you guys are bringing me sacrifices, but they're not sacrificial. You guys are keeping the best for yourself. And we need to recognize we express our love, honor, and faith in God through our willingness to give sacrificially of our resources. Malachi is going to say more about this later in the book, so I won't go any further than this. But let us remember, we express honor, love, and value by giving sacrificially to our God. We also express love and honor to God by serving Him and others when we worship. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. We serve God by serving other people. And God wants us to understand that we express value and honor to Him when we approach worship and don't make it about ourselves. It's not about what I enjoyed. It's not about whether I got something. But instead, worship is all about Him praising Him, exalting Him. And then out of that, it's all about others. How can I serve others in worship? How can I serve others with my life? How can I share Jesus through my words and actions? And so we want to be a people who approach God and sacrificially serve God and others with our worship. And finally, we want to recognize our gospel privilege. Recognize our gospel privilege. As disciples of Jesus, we celebrate what Jesus has done in order to make wholehearted worship possible. We have advantages over the people in Malachi's day. Because when Jesus went to the cross, the veil was torn. And we're told that we can now enter the very holy of holies and dwell with God, who is a great king and is also our father. We can dwell with him and enter into his presence with boldness because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. More than that, the very spirit of the living God now dwells within us. And so we have all of these remarkable advantages over the people in Malachi's day because of what Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. And we celebrate that amazing gospel privilege that we have been given that we can come into the very presence of the living God. Where we should immediately die. We should be immediately cast out of that presence. But instead, because of the power of the work of Jesus, we can come as his children and be with him every day of our lives. And so we give him thanks for that. And we want to respond to that gospel privilege that we have been given for wholehearted worship by worshiping with all that we have in our lives. And I want to invite you right now to pray towards that end, that we would respond to what Jesus has done by giving of our whole hearts, our whole lives to him. Father, what an amazing privilege that you have given to us through the work of Jesus Christ that your spirit dwells in us, that the veil has been torn so that we can enter into the very holy place and enter into your throne room as children and dwell with you.
What an astounding privilege. And we want to respond through wholehearted worship and sacrifice towards you. Wholehearted worship and sacrifice as we gather together, as we spend time with you individually, as we go about our jobs, live in our neighborhoods, that everything would be wholehearted as we approach you, that our lives would be yours and everything that is a part of them. In Jesus' name, amen. As is true each and every week, there are some discussion questions that we've written that we hope will help you engage with this and go deeper with God. Those discussion questions this week are these. What is it that makes God worthy of wholehearted love and honor? How does half-hearted sacrifice show a lack of love and honor? Give examples that you have seen. Are there any ways in which you have been giving in to half-hearted worship in your life? How do you want to express wholehearted love and honor to God through your time this week? What's that going to look like this week? Now, before we spend some time with those questions, we want to continue to express love and honor because we value God above all things. And we want to do so by giving to him of our resources like we just talked about, sacrificially giving to him as an expression of our love. And we want to do so by continuing to sing his praises and lifting his name up. And so I'd invite you to join me at this time as we sing the praises of God and commit ourselves to be all in when it comes to wholehearted worship of him. Sing his praises with me. I count on one thing The same God that never fails Will not fail me now You won't fail me now In the waiting The same God who's never late Is working all things out You're working all things out Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley yes i will bless your name oh yes i will sing for joy when my heart is heavy in all my days oh yes i will count on one thing the same God that never fails will not fail me now you won't fail me now in the waiting the same God who's never late is working all things out you're working all things out oh yes I will Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will for all. 
Have a good week, Friendship Church. We look so forward to seeing you so soon. See you later.